Girls, it's 73 days away. Only 73 days. What is it? Anyone know? Christmas, it is. It's 73 days to Christmas. How good is that? I know some people in church are going to be a little bit annoyed that I've used the C word this early in October, but I love Christmas, so I'm not going to apologize. Christmas is the best. I would have a 90-day advent calendar if I could. And it's great that it's almost Christmas because that means it's only 35 days until the Christmas markets in Belfast open up. And I love that. I've been dreaming about my kangaroo burger and my churros already. You see, I wonder, do you like waiting for things? Because I quite like the build-up, the excitement, all of that coming. I love it. But the problem is, sometimes it's a bit disappointing. Because you know when you, you look forward for something, but then it doesn't happen or it doesn't come. And then you have to wait, and it's not how you thought it was going to be. You see, it's 35 days until the Christmas market comes, but it might be 36 or 37 or even 38 days before Sarah will allow me to go. And that waiting is going to be really, really hard. And the passage that Zara and Lauren read so valiantly for us God's people are waiting. They're waiting with anticipation for God to keep his promise. God had told his people that he would bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where they would be blessed, a land that was better than anything they had ever imagined if they had only trust him and follow him. But the problem is, these people who Joshua's with, their parents didn't love and trust God. They didn't follow God. They refused to follow God. And as a result, they spent 40 years walking around in circles in the desert. Well, eventually all those people who had doubted God had died. And now in Joshua chapter 3, God's people are again ready for God's promise to come true. They had waited for 40 years for this day. Their excitement and anticipation was at fever pitch. In fact, they'd actually been waiting for 500 years because that's how long it was since God had told Abraham this would happen. So imagine how they felt standing on the edge of the river after having waited for 40, day, 40 years for this to come true. And then in front of them, they see a massive river, a massive river at flood time, a river that is flowing fast and they can see the promise but it just seems too far away. 40 years of waiting, and they can almost reach out and touch what God has promised, but not quite. And then at the start of the verses that Lauren and Zara read for us, we're told they had to wait an extra three days. It must have been torture. I am sure they stood there wondering, what is God doing? You see, sometimes that happens to us, doesn't it? We're waiting on God to fulfill his promises, but things just don't work out the way we think they're going to. Or the answer to the prayer isn't what we thought it was going to be, and we have to wait. And sometimes waiting is really hard. But what we need to remember when we're waiting on God is that sometimes those seasons of delay 
are not necessarily times of denial. Times of delay are not necessarily times of denial. Sometimes God uses that delay, that waiting, to teach us a really important lesson that we mightn't learn without it. That's what he was doing with his people at the age of the Jordan River. God wanted to teach them that they could trust him, that they had to trust him. And that's why what happens next is so important. Because after they'd waited for 500 years and 40 years and three days, God leads his people to the promised land through a riverbed on dry ground. Now, lots of people that day, I'm sure, remembered the story that their parents and maybe even their grandparents had told them. Do your grannies and grandas tell you stories about the good old days? No. Mine used to all the time. Oh, it was never like this in my day. Maybe. But I think their grandparents probably told them about a day when God split the Red Sea and they walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. And now their grandchildren were experiencing the very same thing. God was showing them that just like he had been with their mummies and daddies and their grannies and grandas, so now he would be with them. Just like he had kept his promises to their grannies and grandas, so he would keep his promises to them. And because God kept his promises to them, we can be sure that he will keep his promises to us as well. But God asked his people to do two things when they went into this new land. The first thing is a big word. He says, consecrate yourselves. Now, that's a word we don't really use very much anymore. It's really just a big way of saying, set yourselves apart, be holy, live differently, be distinct, live for me in this new land. Because when God's people would cross the river, they were going to live with people who weren't like them, people who didn't act like them or talk like them, people who didn't love God like them, and people who certainly didn't want to serve God like them. And maybe for lots of us today, we find ourselves like that in school or work. People who don't love God, who don't want to follow God's ways. And that can be really difficult when we're called to live differently and amongst that. And that's why we need to trust Jesus to be set apart, to stand out for him. You see, it's easy to blend in and go with the crowd but Jesus wants us to stand out if we're his friends. He wants us to be different. But we can stand out in two ways. We can stand out in good ways and in wrong ways. In right ways and wrong ways. I want you to think about school for a minute. Because there's two ways I think you probably stand out in school if you're anything like me. Maybe you're the person who's always talking to your friend when the teacher's talking. Anyone ever guilty of that? William's laughing. We've definitely got one down here. Can you read that? When everyone in your class is talking to each other, so you decide to chat with your friend, but you're the only one who ever gets caught and yelled at. Has that ever happened to you? It used to happen to me quite a lot. You can be singled out and you stand out because you're doing the wrong thing. You shouldn't be talking and you're called out. But you can also stand out for the right reason, can't you? Hands up if you've ever been star of the week. I haven't, so I put my hand down. Yeah, brilliant. You've done lots better than me. Some schools will start like you can stand out for being kind or helpful or doing the right sort of thing, of being the type of friend that your teacher wants you to be. And then you become pupil of the week and your pictures maybe put up on the wall and you stand out for the right reason. Well, Jesus wants us 
if we're his friends, to stand out for the right reasons. This is what he told his friends. He said, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it in a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus says people around us should know that we are different by the way we talk and act and live. They should know that we are Christians by how we behave and by how we speak. We shine for others when we show God's love and compassion. But we also shine for God when we tell others about Jesus and how he loves them and died to save them. By how we invite them to church of GB. We are to be set apart to stand out for him so that people will see what we say and do. But not so they'll say that we are great. Jesus said we're to do it so they will see the good that we do and give glory to God. That's why we should live. So they will say that isn't God great because of how we live. So that was the first thing God's people were to do. But then they were also to follow him. He says, follow me. And that's how we stand out. We stand out as we follow Jesus, as we trust him. If you think back to the reading in Joshua, the people were to keep their eyes on a special box called the ark, and they were to follow it. It was a symbol of God's presence with them. And as long as the people followed God's presence, they would get to the promised land. Remember a few weeks ago when we started out in our series in Joshua, Robert talked to us about Joshua 1 verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The people didn't have to be afraid. They could go forward with courage because they were very clever. Nope. Because they were very strong. Nope. Because they had all the right equipment. Nope. It was because God was with them. They had to stop trusting in themselves and start trusting in Jesus if they were going to follow him. They had to, fo to follow Jesus. They had to stop following all the other things. They had to turn away from them. And they had to start following him and trusting in him. And that gives us great confidence because we can follow Jesus into an uncertain future, into schools and workplaces where people don't love God. We can do that with confidence because he goes with us. In fact, the Bible says that if we're Christians, not only does God go in front of us like he did in the ark, but by his spirit, he lives inside us and will guide and direct us. Girls, in a couple of minutes, you are going to be asked some questions. You're going to make some promises. And one of the promises you will make is this. I promise to seek, serve, and follow God all the days of my life with his promise being that you will find me and I will supply your needs and will be with you always. Offers, officers, associates, congregation, we will also make a promise, a promise to help those girls live and keep their promises as they live for Jesus. In many ways, that promise that we will make this morning is what God called his people to do that day beside the Jordan thousands of years ago. We're going to promise to be set apart, to follow him, 
to trust him above all else, to turn away from our old lives and follow him into the new life that he has promised for us. And sometimes that might mean following him into strange and difficult situations. Sometimes it might mean following him into places where people are mean to us. Sometimes it might mean following him into places of trouble. It might mean following according to his timetable and not our own. But if we trust in Christ, if we follow him, his promises that he will go with us, that he will lead us to that place of blessing where we will be with him forever. And it means knowing that promise that he is with us in every situation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are sorry this morning for all the times when we don't live differently, when we don't follow you, when we follow our own hearts, when we follow the sinful desires that we have. So, Father, we ask that you would forgive us. We thank you that you promised to be with us. So we pray that you would help us to follow you every day, to live differently, and to seek, serve, and follow you with all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.